when nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to When Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And today, James, we are reviewing what I would say is a pretty standout episode of the season so far. We're talking about the days of wine and the roses. This was released on January the 24th, 1991. It was written by Brian Pollock and Matt Rich, directed by James Burroughs. I've, I've got lots of admin out the way, James, because I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about. It's a really fun one. Yes, the, the title of the episode is a play on Days of Wine and Roses, a 1962 film that depicts the downward spiral of two average Americans who succumb to alcoholism and attempt to deal with their problems. So it's a pretty good pun, you know? It is. and it, Yeah, actually, there's a, a really good pun for this episode. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to take your credit for what you said pre-recording, James, where you said it's a return of Drunk Rebecca, which is always fun. It, it is a fun episode all around. I, I didn't realise I was missing episodes like this until this episode came around. What, Drunk Rebecca episodes? Well, I, I suppose Sam and Rebecca episodes. Ah, yes. I don't feel like we got many of them through season nine so far. Maybe the first couple of episodes, but since then there's been quite a few focuses on different characters or when it is on Sam or Rebecca, it's always two different stories. Yes, that's true. So this was a nice return to that, which was quite prominent in season eight, that sort of pairing of, of story. But I suppose, should we, should we get straight into the cold open, James? What happens in the cold open, then? The jukebox is broken. Um, yes, and we get to see Cliff's impression of the Fonz. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the Fonz needs to worry. No, Henry no. Winkler's fine, I think. He's not, he's <laughs> not worried that John Vattenberger will take his shtick. You stick stealer. There's a, the, the repairman's come in. He's going to have to take the jukebox away for, I think he quotes a week. And he yeah. uh, he doesn't have a replacement to give. Cliff says, nonsense. You can fix it. You just got to give it a swift hit. No, it didn't work. He used his foot. He didn't say A afterwards. <laughs> if he hit <laughs> it with an A, some finger yeah. guns, that would have played. That, that would have been it, exactly. <laughs> but the, the cold open sets up what becomes the B plot of this episode. And very much actually kind of entwined with some of the A plot, which is Cheers doesn't have a jukebox, but it's got the that's going to be the next best thing, maybe the better thing, James. They're going to get a karaoke machine, aren't they? Yeah. And the reason that they think a karaoke machine is an adequate replacement for a jukebox is because they mainly use the jukebox for leaning on. When they're discussing replacements, they talk about cigarette machines and, you know, eventually on a karaoke machine and they go, oh, I don't know whether we use it. And Fridge goes, but you don't use the jukebox. <laughs> and he's very opinionated or the fact it's they never use it. But they have used it once, um, at least once, when Sam put on what should have been I Fought the Law. No, no, no. So they have used it at least once. Well, Sam says he uses it all the time to lean on, like you said. And he says mm -hmm. the height of it is perfect for his alliance. As soon as he leans on it, someone comes over and says hello. Yeah. Says, I'm sorry, it was just a demonstration. Calm down, miss. I have to say, it's a strong opening premise of this episode for a B-plot. It sort of sets up the fact we're going to be in the bar for a while, and it, it yeah. gives all of the characters something to do. All of the characters in, the, in this episode have a moment to shine, but Kirstie Alley won an Emmy for this episode. And we'll see why, because it's a, it's a Rebecca-centric episode. As we've teased, it's Drunk Rebecca. A lot so, of range uh, in this episode. A lot of range, and it does show off uh, Kirsty's ability to, uh, I think it was, at a recent uh, Cheers reunion, 
Ted Danson, he was reminiscing about Kirstie Alley and he said, no one could play a woman on the edge of a nervous breakdown as well as Kirstie. And in this episode, she does exactly that. But before we get to that point, James, we get a a letter. Robin Colcourt, Rebecca's sweetheart, sweet baby, she says. Sweet baby, yeah. He's been in prison, as we know, since the season began, really. And uh, he's going to get released this week. That's nice. Good news. She's she's really excited to start this episode. It's been building to this for quite a while in terms of all the other episodes. We've seen a break into prison to see him. Yeah. We've heard about him litter picking outside cheers in the street. And yeah. now he's going to be released. And it, and it feels like it's accumulated this in many ways. But while she's talking about this, she receives a letter. Or oh, is it a letter? Well, it is a letter. It's a written something on a, on a piece of paper. But it's a special letter, isn't it, John? It's got a rose with it. It's got a white rose. White rose. Which in uh-huh. the Loza Pony family means watch out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, she says, uh, better get Claver to start your car today. Um, <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Godfather, the old, uh, the old spoiler for a 50-year-old film, the old car bomb, you know. What a, what a classic Cheers joke. <laughs> they don't do jokes like that anymore. Who, Cheers? Yeah, anyone. Anyone. <laughs> but Robin didn't intend that to, for Rebecca. And what actually is inside the letter is a proposal and not only a proposal, but a wedding date. Because he doesn't. It's not really a proposal, is it? It's saying make yourself available three days from now. <laughs> We're getting married. It's from Robin. Dear Rebecca, I'll be free on Monday. If you're free as well, would you care to join me in holy matrimony? Oh my God! This is a proposal. <laughs> Robin Colcorn. Well, yeah, that is a cause for a special celebration. Woody, I think I'll have a beer. <laughs> And she's extremely excited. In many ways, this is what Rebecca's always wanted. She stuck with Robin whilst he was in prison. She still continued to go out with him through lots of different sort of various pitfalls in their relationship. And she's ecstatic when she gets this news in this letter. And so they have a bridal shower, which is nice. It's very nice. It's good. Yeah. To, it's good to have this episode. It's got everything in it. We've got a cheers party. And I'd say one of the best cheers parties. I thought you were going to go Stefan from uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> then this bar has everything. <laughs> Lilith throws this party as well. In return of Rebecca throwing her bridal party in season six. Something like that. Yeah. So all the girls I've loved before, season six, episode 17. Well, there you go. You know, Lilith's repaying the favor. Lilith has put more attention into organizing this. Yeah, it got the ball. In, in fairness, Rebecca hadn't been in Cheers for a very long time by this point when she threw Lilith's one, and it was all quite last minute. But saying that, this one's quite last minute. Three days till the wedding. Yeah, well, Lilith knows what she's doing. She's got the mind for planning, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's very organised so. balloons. There's already a karaoke machine. Half the work is done <laughs> for her. You know, You know, Rebecca loves it. Everyone starts giving toasts. Fraser and Woody both toast Lilith. Fraser, I assume, because Lilith is his wife and he's, you know, trying to appease her in some way. Don't know why Woody toasts Lilith. <laughs> If I may, I would like to propose a toast to the woman of the hour. For the reason we're all gathered here at this wonderful party to a very special lady who, I must say, has a glow tonight like I've never seen before. Thank you, Fraser. Oh, pipe down. I've got to finish this toast to Lilith or she'll kill me. <laughs> to Lilith! I'd just like to say it's a really beautiful day and it's a really nice party. And if I'm ever lucky enough to be married, I hope it's someone just like you. To Lilith. <laughs> 
Oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, well, I think Woody means that with some sincerity. Oh, well, he means so. everything with sincerity. Yeah, well, that's, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Rebecca starts giving toasts and Lilith starts counting strikes because uh, at Lilith's bridal shower, didn't really put the effort in and has been open about this. And some of the uh, artifacts, merchandise, you know, decorations were clearly uh, given because of other occasions cancelling <laughs> and Rebecca getting them on the cheap. Lilith is a bit on edge and starts counting strikes when Rebecca starts toasting everyone except her. And I want to make a toast too. To you and all you guys in the bar. You really stood by me and I love you all. To us. Well, thank you. She didn't mention my name. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. I'd like to make another toast. She's going to bail herself out. <laughs> To Robin. Robin. Let's go, go. Strike two. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. One more. I feel like I'm leaving somebody out. Here we go. To me and to my happiness. Right yeah. Okay, Frazier, that's it. Get your call. <laughs> and of course, to Lilith. Oh, Rebecca, you didn't have to. <laughs> Frazier, put your coat down. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> It is a great moment. And I think that party setup is actually, it's quite reminiscent of what you, you know, I said we haven't had an episode like this for a while. Yeah. There's quite a lot of celebration in it. And a lot of times when you see a lot, all the characters, it's very much an ensemble set piece. Yes. With lots of things bouncing around back and forth. And it's those kind of small incidental jokes, which really bring the bar to life. Oh yeah. It's a very lively episode. We set up the karaoke machine, but in the time of what we've talked about, there's been about three or four instances of the karaoke machine in use. Including Norman Cliff already finding their favorite song. How does this song end? I don't know. I think it just kind of keeps going till one of us drops. This is the silliest, dopiest display we've ever witnessed. And if you want to make a pop, you do it like this. What, what is your go-to karaoke like song or artist? I don't think I've got one. I've only done karaoke once, James, and you were yeah. there, and I'd say you very much led it, and I sort of stumbled away very drunk was, halfway through the song. Was this when we did 500 miles, and I was basically just shouting it? <laughs> no. So if that happened, I don't even remember that. <laughs> I don't know which song we were doing. We were doing Blue Christmas. Were we? Yeah. I sang Elvis and what I thought was Elvis that night, and it was it was the last big blowout before the pandemic, wasn't it? I don't hold <laughs> many memories of that night, Jimps. Just the I, videos afterwards. I've seen the videos and I'm not too ashamed of them. I went, yeah, I was drunk. You know, some people were like, oh, this is embarrassing. I'm like, nah, I'm just enthusiastically trying yet failing to sing songs at karaoke. You know, <laughs> that's fine. That's that's nothing which would be like, oh, you have to put that on your, your permanent record there, Jimps. Like, what would be your go-to song then, Jimps? You've, you've... I, I, I do like singing Sinatra. Any particular Sinatra? I sang My Way. Uh, the other day, New York, New York, I sang at karaoke the other week as well. He's got a nice baritone, which appeals to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're a bit of a Frasier then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frasier does some quite classic sort of, you wouldn't expect them on a, a karaoke machine nowadays, I don't think. Well, he does a lovely rendition of Isn't It Romantic? And he steals <laughs> a cigarette from <laughs> a fellow barfly. 
I do like when uh, actors sing songs. And there's one actor, see if you can guess who it is, did like, you know, your jazz or your uh, easy listening songs. He did an album of them. I think I know who it is already. He called the album Old Yellow Eyes. Do you know who this is? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. No, no, no. It's, uh, It's Brent Spiner. Data from Star Trek fame. So it's a play on the old blue eyes being Sinatra and Data, the character, having yellow eyes. So yeah. called it Old Yellow Eyes. And of course, featured in an episode of Cheers a while back. Exactly. A while, while back. Oh, yeah. It was a Diana episode. Anyway, who do you think was better, Cliff and Norm or the Cordettes? I, I think the Cordettes, you know. <laughs> really? I thought you were going to go uh, Cliff and Norm. You know, River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, et al. in Stand By Me. I quite like they how you've the- named all the people in Stand By Me. Who don't sing the song? It's Corey Feldman and uh, the other guy. <laughs> Corey Feldman and other guy. Yeah, yeah. Vern is the character's name. Mm, Teddy and Vern. Yes. Yeah, yeah, great film. So it's uh, Stephen King's favourite adaptation of one of his books. Is it? As of like maybe 10 years ago. I don't think there's been one since then which would have topped it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his thoughts on Doctor Sleep and their new It films. Doctor Sleep was a good adaptation. They changed things up because weirdly they were trying to make it both an adaptation of the book and a sequel to Kubrick's The Shining. But because there were differences between the book of The Shining and the film of The Shining, they changed some things, uh, adapting Doctor Sleep for screen in order for it to make sense. (laughs) The pop and doo-wop of a lollipop rendition gets even better through the enhancement of helium. That is true. (laughs) Do you know which gas would do the opposite? Would make you sound lower? Uh, No. 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 Argon. Little known fact there. Science. You know, you could go full Barry White. <laughs> uh, I saw one thing. It was on, uh, I don't know, some Jimmy Fallon thing, and it was karaoke. And you know, they sang a song, but in this mode of karaoke, when either Barry White or Barry Gibbs' face came up, you cha- had to change octave, either very low or very high. <laughs> uh, so that was quite amusing to watch. My wife is throwing a lovely shower here. The least you could do is show a little respect. Ah, phrase. We're just giving a gift of music here. In terms of this rendition of Lollipop, it reminded me a little bit of... Do you you remember The Simpsons when the kids sing in my dingle? Yes, the little German kid, isn't it? No, no, no. It's like Uh. a very early episode, but Principal Skinner goes, this actor's over, (laughs) and runs it. And that's what 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 Frasier does. the karaoke machine. He runs it and goes, this actor's over. My wife's been throwing a lovely shower here. The least you can do is show some respect. R-A-S-P-E-C-T. Show me what it means to me. But from there, Frasier then takes over the, the machine and does a lovely rendition of, what songs does he sing? Isn't it romantic? And he gets some backing vocals from uh, Norman Cliff. An enchanting melody. Hey, excuse me. And it goes for something like this. (laughs) Isn't it romantic? Music in the night. A dream that can be heard. Isn't it romantic? Moving shadows make the oldest magic world. Ah, 
beautifully sung when sung properly. Killjoy. Meanwhile, Rebecca's getting champagne drunk. Well, yes, uh, I was going to say a lot of toasting went towards Lilith. There's been a lot of sort of, not I say admiration, but she she can see the connection that Fraser and Lilith have. And although at times it's always been a bit, they disagree. Yeah. But up to this point, they've always come back together and they've got quite a strong relationship, I think you'd say. Yes, yes, very much so. And I think Rebecca's seeing that and seeing how well-connected they are and uh, how meant for each other they are and well-suited. And I think Sam, with the best of like intentions in his toast, says, uh, when you and Robin first got together, we thought a match between a, a billionaire tycoon and uh, you wouldn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you. <laughs> uh, um, and I think in some ways, Rebecca's starting to see that her and Robin actually don't have a huge amount in common. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of cold feet going on, and uh, that's where the Champlain energy coming in. Champlain energy, yeah. Yeah, she starts off being giddy, and then she gets very sad. You know, I'm sure certain alcohols have certain effects on people. Is there one which makes you giddy, and is there one which makes you sad? Um, I don't think any make me sad. Some make me sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whiskey or bourbon could make me sad but also it's got quite a strong flavor profile as you said the other day so it's difficult to drink a lot of it to the point that i get sad <laughs> this is the thing i think spirits do that more than anything else yeah. i don't normally start on a spirit yeah or just do a spirit the only spirit that i'll do as like this is what i'll drink for the night will be like a rum and yeah. i'm, I'm not good on that oh rum i'm, I'm good yeah. with rum rum is my giddy drink uh, white rum's, wine is rum's the equivalent of like an adult cowpaw i'd say sure <laughs> um as a child you're like ah give me that cowpaw yeah so sweet yeah yeah it's sugar cane i weaned myself off cowpaw to get into rum did you ever mix them like in a flaming mo oh not yet but maybe, maybe tonight i think your uh, significant other will have words with you if she sees <laughs> you mixing cowpaw and rum <laughs> but james i found what makes me sad <laughs> would be nice but yes yeah, no she goes off into the pool room all all sad two days later hasn't been seen meanwhile uh, over those two days frazier is captain of the karaoke <laughs> He's your regular crooner, isn't it? Could you imagine turning up to a bar and just in the corner there's a karaoke machine with Kelsey Grammer singing? Would you leave that bar, James? No, I'd stay if Kelsey Grammer was singing. He's got a good singing voice. He does, doesn't he? Frasier's accent is transatlantic. You know, I think we can say that Lilith is also transatlantic to, to an extent. Kelsey Grammer's speaking voice... Not so much, but somewhat, you know. And that's, you know, when you're looking at the uh, the old musicals from the 50s and 60s, a lot of the people who were singing that were uh, transatlantic accented people, you know, like your Catherine Hepburns and your whatnot. And I think Kelsey Grammer is someone who has become quite well known for their uh, singing voice now. Has he ever been in a, a musical? It wasn't the, the Scrooge he did the other year, a musical. Ah, yes. Yeah, he was, he's quite musical in uh, his returning role as such a Bob in the Simpsons as well. He just quite a lot of musical theatre through that. Sort of got adapted into the character of Sarcho Bob. Yeah, they did the whole um, H HMS Pinafore, was it? Um, yeah, he is yeah. an Englishman. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but I suppose, are any of these songs going to make it into our playlist, James? I think they're all on it. No? Should we do a little rundown of what they are? Uh, Lollipop, Isn't It Romantic? Hey there. I think Fraser even names a few songs while he's browsing through them as well. And they're mm. all on there. I tell you what, this is got, uh, last week I was complaining that Cheers is getting two 90s. Yeah, it used to hark back to the, the like the the fifties with all of its references. I'm quite happy this week. 
<laughs> You're an old soul, aren't you? Well, I don't know. It feels like quite a sort of reminiscent episode, this one. With the way it's structured, the character dynamics, I don't think there's really a guest star, so it really relies on the characters we know and love, if you know what I mean. I uh, I once said to my dad, I'm an old soul, and he kind of gave me a look and went, ah, old soul. Yes, no, I thought you said something else and would have agreed. Got you there, James. Mm. That's, that's when you found out that your dad's the main character you're supporting. Yeah. And I'm the one of the joke. <laughs> Am I the Cliff of, of this family dynamic? There is a great moment in this uh, episode where Cliff makes himself the butt of the joke. Oh, yeah. Here we go, Sam. A karaoke machine and some song catalogs to go along with it. Oh, great. It's just what we need. A loud, abrasive noise-making machine. Strange. Come on, don't pick on something that can't defend itself. Thank you, now. <laughs> He's a self-aware, so we'll give him that. No, it is a, it's a good joke. I think it's those moments that I mean. It's This episode's so packed of all of those little moments. Drunk Rebecca returning with sh- yeah. Champlain. Champlain? When she should have said Champlain. <laughs> is a perfect segue into uh, what, what we would probably say is the sort of downward spiral of Rebecca this episode's. Yes. Because much like some of our earlier episodes, and even ones with Diane, we return to her apartment as a set piece, mm. which I don't think we've done for a while. No, I think last time was was, it was the Evan Drake episode, end of season six, maybe. But here we're back. She's been spending the last two days drinking and smoking in the dark, which was, you know, the <laughs> the original lyrics to the Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> we're just drinking and smoking. In the dark. Sam comes over to have what I say is quite a genuine heart to heart. And he says, You know, are you getting cold feet? And she says, Certainly not. I'm perfectly prepared to marry Robin, spend the rest of my life with him. I'm just not particularly looking forward to it. Well put for someone so drunk. She also says, It's a great line. It's one thing loving someone who would do time with you, it's another thing doing time with them. Ooh, she's astute. When she's wasted. Some of the best poets were drunks. Yeah, it wasn't Hemingway drunk most of the time. And uh, Oscar Wilde, he loved the gin and the opium. Yeah, but It is a, a great scene. And I think the writing, as we've talked about, there's so many good lines in this scene. Yeah. And it's so tightly written. But I think from the perspective of the actors and the direction from James Burroughs as well, they have a lot of fun in the set. It's such a good two-hander between Ted Danson and Kirstie Alley. And I, I feel like we haven't had that for a while. No. But also bringing in James Burroughs' sort of sensibility of stage direction as well. They they really have a, a good go exploring the, the scene. Uh, there's lots of sort of physical comedy in there with the light switching as well. Click. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, Kirstie Alley brings her A-game to this scene. So that's it. Isn't it? I don't want to marry Robin. Well, I guess I won't be needing this anymore. (laughs) Right, no. I've made my decision. Robin is history. Yeah, and this is what Ted Danson was saying, that she can play, yeah, women on the edge of a breakdown exceptionally well. It's it's her forte. And I think in lots of ways, it gives Sam, we've talked about how Sam Malone hasn't had many moments, opportunities of death for a while, maybe. Yeah. 
Endless Slumber is always a standout of him as a character, sensing the passing of time and feeling like he's aging. And he doesn't he doesn't have to come to terms with that. This episode sort of harks back to some of his character traits or character backstory that already gets touched on, which is his ex-marriage. Yes, and he, he says that he knows the temptation of alcohol because he's a recovering alcoholic, and he knows relationship troubles because uh, you know he's divorced <laughs> with Rebecca again she's very drunk but she's she's on it <laughs> well yeah it is that thing as well that Sam talking about is alcoholism he says getting cold feet is no reason to turn to a bottle kind of thing and she says what brought you to it and he went I lost my curveball. When you're a relief pitcher though your curveball you know could be your uh, bread and butter you know because you're there to you know Rebecca has a moment of of clarity where she admits to Sam that she doesn't love Robin and she doesn't want to marry him which is an epiphany uh, and she says that she doesn't need a drink but then she uh, you know has a full bottle hidden in a lampshade but then goes well I'm glad we've uh, come to this realisation time to celebrate let's celebrate <laughs> we don't need to do that you're right you're right there is a better way to celebrate Sam off your pants. What? You heard me, buddy. I want you. Sam being sensible goes, no, 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 Rebecca, you're you're drunk and repulsive. <laughs> and again, it's such a cursy alley moment where she goes, you can't handle it. Yeah, it's, it's quite a way to end this episode. No, Sam, Sam, we have all night. We've got tonight. Who needs tomorrow? Let's make it last, babe. Let's find a way. Sam alone, I want you to get ready for the most exciting night. Your Before we get to the inevitable trivia, you know, let's talk about who the cast are in this episode. Who's got their names down for karaoke? We've got B.B. Newith as Dr. Lilith Stonen, Calvin Young as Walter. He also appeared in Khan, Tales of the Gold Monkey, Trapper John M.D., Robocop, Murder in Paradise, Murder, She Wrote, Babylon 5, Lethal Weapon 4, how I Met Your Mother, Last Man Standing, and many more. This is the, the karaoke machine repairman. Paul Wilson's Paul Craypence. Shad Willingham, cool name, as Delivery Man. He also appeared in Aftermath, A Test of Love, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Christine Knudsen as Woman. She also appeared in Wings and Hangtime. Lee Allen, Joan Carey, Joan Cotchen, and Naira Crenshaw are uncredited as bar patron. Joe Bauman is uncredited as Walter's delivery man. He also appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Generations. Phyllis Clayton is uncredited as bridal shower party guest. Just to give credit to uh, Shad Willingham, with his delivery of Jeepers, this will pay for my sister's operation when tipped a shiny quarter from Rebecca for the letter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's shoes is great at getting these bit parts. What have you got here, Cliff? A big old parcel. Oh, it's a it's a karaoke machine. Thank you. Well, let's see what songs I have. These aren't songs, John. These are trivia questions. You you fooled us, Cliff. 
But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I've got a, a question to kick off if you like, James. Yeah. For the past two weeks, I've been doing Carla's earring watch. Yeah. This week, we're doing Fraser's sweater watch. Yeah. What was on Fraser's sweater? It was Baloo from Jungle Book. That <laughs> was, yeah. I knew you would catch that one. Jungle Book was my favourite film when I was very young. I think I broke the VHS twice because of how many times I watched it. Here's one. What does the word karaoke translate as? Sing, sing along. I'll tell you because you got it wrong. Uh, it's a compressed. It's made up of two words in Japanese and compressed into the the word karaoke. Uh, but what it means, taking those two words, is empty orchestra. Quite dark when you think about it, actually. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> empty orchestra. In this episode, Fraser questions Norman Cliff if they even know the meaning of the song lollipop. Mm-hmm. What is the meaning of the song lollipop, chimps? As in, what do they say it is, or what is it actually? What is the true meaning of the 1958 song lollipop? Uh, youths and how they were at the candy store and they're waxing nostalgic about the simple pleasures of being a kid at a candy store. No, no, no. The song originated when Julius Dixon and Beverly Ross were uh, writing the song together, but he explained that his daughter got a lollipop stuck in her hair and uh, it caused him to be late for the recording session. We'll make a song about that. He was inspired by this. So he sat down to the piano and produced a version of the song on the spot. So it all started in that shop when a lollipop got stuck in her hair. I do like when, uh, when artists improvise songs, you know, like Smoke on the Water being a famous one. Didn't have that song uh, pre-written before going to the studio. But then when the studio uh, caught a blaze, they went, oh, that's a song. Is it's exactly what is exactly what the uh, the members of Deep Purple said. <laughs> what did the napkin say at Lilith's bridal shower and why? Well, um, it's like congratulations on... Is it like for a retirement party or something? No, no, no. It, you're right that it does essentially mean that. It's Mazel Tov, Cy and Effie Kupperman. Assuming We're assuming Cy and Effie are getting married. And the, and why do they say this? Oh. Uh, uh, because Cy skipped town with his secretary, so they were going cheap. Really, really, but this like sort of baby shoes never used for sale. Similar sort of vibe. Oh, that's a Hemingway thing, isn't it? All the best poets were drunk. Oh, write a story. All right. I want a lot of money. And uh, here's your story. <laughs> Six words. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's moving. That's the last call at the bar, James. And I, there's something which I'm thinking we could have a, as a drink. Yeah. Champlain. Champlain. I feel like this episode didn't finish. It, it didn't say to be continued, but also didn't finish. So I feel like we can't celebrate too much. But having a couple of bottles of Champlain might be the way to go. Yep, a couple of bottles indeed. And what are you having? <laughs> so let's uh, let's pop these open as we uh, provisionally start celebrating because a wedding's on the horizon. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. <laughs>